0: Good morning. Good morning. Ah, this is—I I love being up here. Um, I, I, it's just exciting. Uh, I'm gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of a lot of things have happened. I'm Cody, as as he said, um, but kind of want to catch you up on, on what's going on in my life. Um, so my wife and I are in the process of um, or the journey of adoption. Um, It's—it's really—it is. It's really exciting. Hey. Uh, and for somebody who has more patience than myself, it's probably a lot easier. Um, I, I'm not a very patient person. Uh, and I, let's kind of give you an idea of what's been going on. We, we started with one organization. Uh, it just seemed like it was, it was a genuine, like, this, this is the direction we, we were going. they were really eager for us to join. Um, and, and as we continued, Ashley and I just didn't feel peace about it. I don't know how else to explain it, and so we started praying and, and talking to others, and, and we were appointed to another organization. The second organization um, seemed great. It, it honestly felt like a perfect fit. Um, the way they were talking, the way we were talking, what we talked about training, and all this, it, it just got us really excited. And so we filled out all the paperwork. We did um, an interview. We talked on the phone. Then we talked in person. And overall, I was like, this is, this is cool. And then on my birthday this year, my birthday is an important day for me. Uh, <clears throat> on my birthday, I get a phone call. Uh, and it's really excited. It was a number of I was like, Cool. cool. Uh, finding out that we were not accepted um, for this stage of their interview process. Um, and I don't really know how, the conversation following that, I, I said thank you and uh, hung up. And actually really excited, kind of saw the disappointment on my face. Um, and over the next couple of days, I replayed the interviews time and time again. Um, what did I answer wrong? Why? Why were we not good enough to be chosen? Um, what? What could we have done better? What could we have done different? And, and over that period of time asking that question, I realized that I started to grow in resentment. Uh, I started to, to grow um, anger. And, and I realized all of that was being pointed toward God. I, I didn't understand how God could lead us to this place and leave us at disappointment. It, it just didn't add up. H- have you ever had to wait for something? H- have you ever had to, I mean like seriously wait for something? And, and the situation around you seems so perfect. Everything is just ripe for the taking. And yet you're still told to wait. See, I, I don't know about you guys. But I know in my own life. I sometimes feel like God's plan isn't adding up to what his promises were. So where do we turn when life isn't adding up? Well, today we're going to look at Genesis 17 in the life of Abram. And the more we hear about this, the more it's consistently evident that life does not seem to be adding up for Abram. So as you turn to 17, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of recap. In Genesis chapter 12, God shows up to Abram and says, hey, if you take this family and you leave, then what's going to happen is I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Uh, fast forward a couple years and, and, and it doesn't seem to be happening um, Abram and Sarai have no children, so it's kind of hard to be the father of many nations with no children. Um, Fast forward another 10 years, so 10 years of waiting. God has promised him. God reaffirmed the promise. 10 years go by, and there's no children. So Abram and Sarai do what um, we do as people when we're frustrated and um, we, we tend to take matters into our own hands. That's exactly what they did. So, 10 years after that promise in Genesis chapter 12, uh, Abram and Sarai get impatient, and despite God's consistent reminders, um, Abram ends up having a child by the name of Ishmael with one of Sarai's servant girls by the name of Hagar. Um, And that brings us up to chapter 17. Do some quick math. Ishmael's 13. So that would label back to um, Genesis 12 being 23 years ago. That's a long time to wait. And after after 13 years of of God's silence, God chooses to speak again, and he says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And that I may make a covenant between me and you, and you may multiply and I may multiply you greatly. And then Abraham fell on or Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Just kind of sit there for a second. He's got one kid at this point, and it's not even through the line that he's supposed to have it. Like, how are you going to be a multitude of nations? He's 99 years old. I'm 31, and I feel like I, I maybe shouldn't have any more kids. Like, 99 just seems like a bad idea. Uh, but he, he goes on in chapter, or verse 6, and he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant with you, me, and your offspring after you. Remember, Abram's hearing this with no offspring, except for Ishmael. Huh, okay. And so after you, the generations for everlasting covenant, and to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you and to your offspring after you, the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan from an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. You've you got to understand that 23 years of waiting, and God has to say it three times, your offspring, your offspring, your offspring. It's, it's, something's probably not clicking for Abram. Abraham at this point he goes on to say that since you've had such a difficult time remembering my promises um, I'm going to give you a sign to remember that promise I'm going to give you something so that you can remember what I've said because it's been 23 years and you have a tendency to forget so here we go and and he goes on and I'm going to I'm going to stop for a second and he talks about circumcision. Circumcision at this point was not a saving act. It wasn't something they could do to earn their salvation or their promise. Or It, it literally was a sign to remember a promise that God had, had given the nation of Israel. Um, and and a later in scripture, the Jewish teachers will take that and they will tweak it and, and they'll manipulate it into a saving work. But we won't get into that today. Um, but verse 9 goes on. And God said to Abraham, As for you, this is your your part of the covenant. This is what you need to do. You and your offspring after you through their generations, this is my covenant, which shall be kept between the um, I lost my spot. Between me and your offspring after you, every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised in every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought, bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall the covenant be on your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is circumcised in the flesh of his forces shall be cut off from his people, and he shall have broken my covenant. So God is sitting there, and and he's, he's speaking to Abraham, and he says, hey, you're not doing such a good job listening to me. You may not fully understand my plan for you. But see, that's the key there. It's my plan, and I understand it. To to full completion. No matter what the situation is, God understands. See, the past 23 years, Abraham, the past 23 years, you may not have understood it. it. But it's designed to point toward me. You see, your life, your story will bring me glory as thousands of people across thousands of years will hear it and know of my faithfulness. As somebody in Lincoln, Nebraska, will hear the story and know that I, the Lord your God, am faithful. You see, 23 years of waiting doesn't seem that much to God. And your wrestling and your doubts will show God's faithfulness. And God is turning and saying, hey, turn to me when life's not adding up. Even in the midst of struggle, turn to me. When your job isn't giving you the respect you deserve, turn to me. When your kids turn against you and everything seems to be going wrong in your house, turn to me. When you're not even sure Mr. or Mrs. Wright exists anymore, turn to me. When you try and try to expand your family and it doesn't seem to happen, turn to me. See, even in the midst of that struggle, even in the midst of that wrestling and the turmoil within Abraham, he, doesn't, he still doesn't seem to be fully grasping what God is saying in this text. So God continues. Verse 15, and God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her name Sarai, but now Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and moreover I give you I will give you a son by her. I bless. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. The kings of people shall come from her. And then Abram fell on his face and laughed. Exactly what you think you should do when God's talking to you. <laughs> hey, God, creator of the universe. <laughs> You're crazy. Uh, and he turns and says, pretty much that he says, Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? And Sarah, who is 90, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that maybe just God, you got this wrong and you need to choose Ishmael. That Ishmael might live before you. <laughs> Abraham hears God's plan. Clearly laid out. This is the plan. This is the plan. This is the plan. Clearly laid out. And he laughs. And I hear a plan, and I get impatient. I don't want to wait. I think I'm ready now. And I don't know where you're at today, but we all know the correct answer. And we all have a different desire within us, the response. Our head says one thing. Okay, trust God, turn to God, got it, I understand that. But our heart's saying, yeah, it doesn't make sense, be mad at him, be frustrated, separate yourself from him. And what do we do when there's a gap between our head and our heart? I think Abraham has a very good story of trusting God and following his head, and at this point in the story, he's like, listen, it's not not making sense. God, you're you're not very good at the storytelling thing. Like, it's not adding up. So as I said, what do you do when there's a gap between your head and your heart? Throughout scripture, there's this phrase, and, and I heard it a lot growing up, wait on the Lord. I think my children's pastor told it to me because I was impatient. I think my youth pastor told it to me because I was impatient. I think my mom, my grandma, and every other person told me it because I was impatient. Wait on the lord. Thanks. I appreciate it. Waiting on the lord honestly is not a very pleasant experience. Um, they make it sound so easy. But I think in one of the most gut-wrenching psalms David writes and he's literally in a fight with himself. Because his head knows the answer, but his heart doesn't want to do it. And, and he's sitting there and he, he screams out, why are you so cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Why, hope in God. That's the logical answer. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him and my salvation and my God. So his mind knows. Put his hope in God, to trust God, to serve God, to turn to God when the circumstances aren't adding up. His mind knows that. And yet, he, he's sitting here saying, Why am I in such a funk right now? Why is this not making sense? Why, oh God, why are you not answering this the way that I thought you would? So how, how do we wait on the Lord if this is us? The simple church answer, wait. Just, just wait on God. And it'll, it'll all be good. Sometimes it doesn't suffice when, when your inner soul is in torment. You position yourself, as Matt Chandler says, you position yourself under the waterfall of grace because no matter what your circumstance is, his mercy is more. So how do you wait on the Lord? Well, you've got to first put yourself under his mercy, under his grace. You've got to position yourself in a way that that God is intimately with you. And then from there, you walk in obedience. No matter what you think might be right or wrong, you walk following God's truth. So how do, we, how do we turn to God? What, what do we do when we need to wait? We need to position ourselves under his grace, and we need to walk in obedience to him, asking God to break our hearts one day at a time, one step at a time, asking God to restore the joy of our salvation. We just got to watch uh, last week's such an amazing Sunday we got to watch baptisms people proclaiming the profession of Jesus we got to we got to celebrate the resurrection the the crux of what christianity hinges on we got to celebrate that as a church family that joy that was such a fun sunday taking that and going back into the turmoil of our week taking that and going back into the situations where we can ask God to consistently restore the joy of our salvation, making God your treasure. You see, this is where um, some of my childhood kind of turned in a different direction. I was told to wait on the Lord, and what that ended up doing is causing me frustration ended up causing me like i didn't understand it so it didn't make sense so i just you know what i can i can handle this and you see in uh, chapter 16 how abraham abram and sarai handled their situation and got them into more trouble you see that they've handled their situations before and it gets them into more trouble And see, I think, honestly, I struggled more with being honest with God in my childhood. I I didn't want to talk to him about the things that I was frustrated with, about the things that I was disappointed with. I didn't want to distract him with with my problems because he was God. See, I think, honestly, it comes down to this. When you position yourself under grace, you understand that he, he has enough for all of your problems. And as you start to be honest with God about where you're at. Whether you're in a desert, whether you're in a low place, whether you're in a struggle, like when you're honest with God, he hears you. And when you're honest with God, there's a reason to be honest with him. See, in Psalm, or in Isaiah 40, um, he, he, Isaiah writes that those who wait On the Lord, he will renew their strength, and you will mount up on wings like eagles, and you will run and not grow weary, and you will walk and not faint. Because that, in and of itself, that that verse was so pivotal to me as I was dealing with this frustration. I don't want to wait, God. I don't want to wait anymore. I don't don't want that. I I know the answer. I just want it done. Let's do this. And he says, wait, and I will take care of the rest. Wait, and I will renew your strength. I will be enough, because ultimately, Cody, your story is meant to bring me glory. So when everything seems stacked against you, when the circumstances aren't adding up, Wait on the Lord and walk in obedience. I know that's hard. Trust me, I know that's hard. See, Genesis wraps up, Genesis 17 wraps up, and and Abram, even after laughing at God, even after the frustration, even after the struggle and, and the wrestling, he goes, okay. And he does exactly what God asks him to do. And so, they go on and, and personally, I mean, I told you guys, I don't always do a great job of, of turning to God when my life feels stacked in the wrong direction. Because oftentimes, as soon as I start to take a step in that direction, I, I ask myself, well, what if, what if I can't do it? What, 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 if, what if I accidentally step in the wrong direction, God? What, what if my stuff is stacked too high? And I go back. I have to remember that Jesus praying in the garden prays and is open and honest, and he asks God to take the cup. If this can be done any other way, if you have a plan B, C, or D, can we choose that option? I don't want to go to the cross, but I will. And me, as a Christian, Celebrating resurrection, I am so incredibly thankful that God, the God of the universe, mankind was saved through the sacrifice he made on that cross. And I consistently am reminded to be thankful that Jesus didn't choose another plan. That even though it was difficult, he still chose the cross because he was able to defeat death. His story was going to bring a much larger amount of glory to God. And I am so thankful for God's faithfulness in that. He will be faithful in all of my difficulty. He was faithful with Abraham. He was faithful with Jesus. He was faithful with Paul. In all of this together, he's going to be faithful with me as well. He's going to be faithful with your story as well. You see, we continue to hear the faithfulness of God, and we have to put our trust in his promise. Abraham had to put his trust, his faith, in the promise of God. And that ultimately is what put him in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. He knew what God wanted to accomplish, and he was willing to follow it. And ultimately, God's plan will happen. Are we willing to walk in it? God, thank you so much for who you are. I pray that today you would just um, actively uh, and boldly continue to work in our lives, that the circumstances around you would um, allow us to bring you glory. And God, I, just, I would pray that um, we would turn to you when the circumstances of our lives don't add up. Thank you so much for who you are. Pray and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.